everyone, and welcome to the WIM Podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing and get real about women in business. Find us wherever you download podcasts, and of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. Hi, guys, and welcome to Women in Influencer Marketing, the podcast. My name is Jesse Grossman. And if you happen to be watching on video on Spotify or YouTube, you can see my co-host today. Oh, he's making such an appearance. This is Buster the Cat. I've had Buster since I was a sophomore in college. Um, he usually lets me like record and do my own thing during the day. We we're out of town this whole weekend. Went to go visit family. So I think he's like a little extra needy and just wants some extra snuggles, right, baby? Yeah. So he wanted to sit in my lap and I needed to record this. So um, he's going to be my co-host. Feel free to chime in, Buster. Okay? Okay. That's the reason to watch on YouTube or Spotify. You could see this cute little face. Oh my goodness. I think this is probably his first appearance um, on the podcast. But oh my God, do you want to hear the funnest fun fact? Buster is no stranger to the masses. Buster Grossman, this guy right here, has actually been on The Blacklist, the show, the TV show, I shit you not, um, years ago. Uh, it's such a long story, so I'm definitely not getting into it. Maybe some other day. Hi, cutie. He was actually a cat featured on an episode of The Blacklist. I like got him on the TV show and it was like crazy and so fun. And I was like the proudest cat mommy. <laughs> so this is uh this is not his first rodeo. So beyond Buster being on the show today, um, it's a really exciting week because we have our influencer marketing job fair this week. So if you're listening to this episode the day that it comes out, then the job fair is tomorrow. It's August 17th at 6 p.m. Eastern. I'm so excited for this. It's like everything that I enjoy. It's like being able to get our members hired, the ability to connect you guys with each other, all the good things. So that is taking place on Wednesday, August 17th, 6 p.m. I will drop a link to register in the show notes, but you can also just head to our website. It's imwim.com slash events, and uh, you'll be able to register there. Um, so beyond that, we have such a great guest for you today. This is Katie Stoller. So she is a good friend of mine. She's been a member of WIM for quite a long time, pretty much since the very beginning. So I've known her at all the different companies that she's been with since then. Today, she's the head of influencer marketing at Fiat Growth, which is a growth marketing shop focused on data-backed decision-making, innovation, iteration, and execution. So yes, we talk about influencer marketing today, but I really enjoyed this episode because of all the times we didn't talk about influencer marketing today. We spoke a lot about like her kids. She's a mom of two working in a big city. How to be like the only mom in her friend group that has, you know, a, a, a job that needs her during odd hours. Uh, we just talked about like her path. 
um, the struggles that she goes through and Katie being the awesome woman that she is, which is very candid about all that. So I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation today. So a little bit about her. So she's had like a decade of experience at PR agencies. Um, She counsels clients on how to effectively reach goals by working with brand right influencers to tell compelling and engaging stories. During her career, she's worked with brands big and small across multiple verticals. Again, she's worked at really huge agencies with, you know, huge, awesome, exciting brands clients. Um, Some of the large brands that she's worked with include household names like Ikea, LG, Whirlpool, J.M. Smucker Company, General Mills, and Wendy's. She holds a BA from the University of Illinois and an MA from DePaul University's award-winning Prad program. She is a proud member of WIM, and she's also based in Chicago with her husband, Danny, and her kids, Liam and Brooke. So enjoy this week's episode. I do hope to see you at the job fair this week. And also, if you've been sort of like on the fence about joining WIM, come to the job fair because not only can you get your next job, but we're also giving really, really good promotions out to people who stay till the very end of the job fair. So check us out again. I'll link that in the show notes. I hope to see you there. And um, Buster's going to say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Enjoy this week's episode. And um, this is Katie Stoller. Miss Katie, I am so stoked to have you on the show again. But the last time you were here, it was like a three-person episode, and now you are the only guest, and I'm excited to talk exclusively with you. So thank you for coming on again, and um, how's it going today? I know. It's my solo debut. It's a big day. (laughs) It is, and you were just on another podcast, so we were chatting before we started recording. I was like, girl, you're making the rounds. Like, I'm so proud of you, like getting on all the podcasts. Are you a podcast listener as well, or are you just enjoying like chatting with people and being on their podcast? I am obsessed with podcasts. I have this like whole thing I've been talking about lately, and this is kind of off topic, but I... I can't do TikTok and like YouTube because I can't do audio and visual at once. Because my brain, yeah, it's like, well, I just don't have time. Like I can't sit and like listen and watch. So that's why like I miss, you know, the scrolling days of Instagram because it was just visual. And I love podcasts because it's just audio. Um, Also shout out to Clubhouse, pretty much RIP at this point. But that's why I loved Clubhouse so much, which is what we talked about a lot on the last episode I was on. But it was so nice to just like pop in my earbuds and just like listen to information, you know, in my head without having to like do anything. So, so here's my question. Yeah. When you're like, okay, so it's one or the other. I love that. I really genuinely appreciate it. I, I feel like I'm kind of the same way. It's probably why we both really liked Clubhouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like when you are listening to a podcast or like a Clubhouse conversation or something just strictly audio, you're just listening, but you're multitasking, first of all, right? You're multitasking. Do you find that you like tune in and out or are you like genuinely able to multitask? With like work, I don't do anything because if I'm not, if I'm writing or if I'm like working on like something, you know, like a recap deck or something that takes a little bit more like, you know, of my brain, 
I'm not listening to a podcast, but if I'm like straightening my hair in the morning before work or doing like household stuff, or even sometimes when I'm just like upstairs with my kids, if they're playing and I have my earbuds in, I, I love that. I can multitask with like life and audio or life and, you know, scrolling quickly on my phone. But when it comes to like work or doing something like more serious, I'm very much the type of person that needs like complete silence. So for the thought of like sitting... But you can actually multi. I ask because, like, I I can't really truly do it. Like, because I'm the same way. Like, if I'm cooking dinner, I feel like it's such a nice opportunity to listen to like a podcast that I like versus like everybody else in the house. And so, like, I'll cook dinner and I'll like listen to a podcast and like I'll like I don't know. I I can't fully do it. So you do. You really can it if it's like a pretty casual secondary activity, right? Correct. Yes. If it's secondary, like we do HelloFresh pretty much, I think like three times a week. I'm the laziest cook alive. But when I'm doing my HelloFresh, I do have to pause it if there's like a particularly hard (laughs) recipe piece. If it's like, you know, a little bit like longer of a paragraph, I usually have to pause for a second, but I'm pretty good. I'm training myself to be able to like do both things. But if it's anything above like laundry, cooking, playing with my kids level of brain capacity, I'm only a one, one woman show in terms of one thing at a time at that point. No, I love it. I'm just, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> asking for friends. Yeah. And I love it because this podcast is certainly not sponsored by HelloFresh, but I love, but I love those services. I do. We did factor for a while. Um, cause HelloFresh, you still have to like cook the freaking thing. <laughs> And if you're like busier, like, or just not in the mood, I'm just not naturally like that much of a cook. I I liked factor personally, because it was like a bit of of an emphasis on like healthy meals. Um, but also they were like pre-cooked, you stick them in the microwave and you're good to go. You really like, have you tried any of the other ones besides HelloFresh or you're like a true HelloFresh girl? We haven't. And mostly just because I'm lazy and haven't like tried anything else. I did, um, daily harvest for a while and I didn't really like that much. No offense, Daily Harvest, if anyone's listening. Um, I like the smoothies, but I didn't, the food wasn't very good. Um, but yeah, I like the idea that like I'm forced to cook, even though it's like food that's like literally pre-measured and everything. I just, the idea that I'm like forced to do it. And I know at least a couple meals a week, my kids are getting like somewhat healthy food and then we can do chicken nuggets and pizza for the other nights. Um, that just like makes me feel like somewhat accomplished in that world. Cause I'm the least creative person in the kitchen. So I like, I really freaking appreciate that. I got to say like being forced to cook, like, so I'm, it's similar, but different. Like, so I'm really, really bad at math. My brain just like, doesn't really naturally, I have to like really focus to like have my brain compute math. So whenever I'm out, and I'm like filling uh, out a check and like adding a tip. I always add a tip that doesn't end in an even number so that it forces me to do the math. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, like this will like force my brain to like compute math and like, therefore I'll be better at it. Well, that literally never happens, but it, but like, I can appreciate kind of like forcing yourself to do something that like you're not good at, or you don't enjoy necessarily. And so like, how many meals a week do you get with them? We did. So there's four people in my family, but one of them is a baby, (laughs) but she still eats a lot. So we did two meals of four people and we were throwing away so much food, which is literally the entire purpose of doing a meal kit. 
So I moved it to three meals a week for two people. And then if people don't eat it, I don't feel as bad because we're not throwing as much food away. So it, it, and it took me a while to like figure that out. But I mean, it's expensive, like on top of the fact that we also grocery shop. So I don't even know. I don't know. I feel like I'm just like winging it with parenthood and being an adult every day. And it's, it's worked like enough. But yeah, I mean, I feel like there's probably a better way to go about all this and probably a cheaper way to go about it. But this is just what I, what I, what I'm driving with right now. So, (laughs) so tell everyone who's tuning in, who don't necessarily know you yet, but they're definitely going to know you more by the end of this conversation. Tell everyone how many kids you have and how old they are. Yeah. So I have two kids. Liam is going to be four in November and Brooke is going to be two in November. They're both born like right at the end of November, um, two years apart. So it's- I love that. I love those names. They're so, they're such good names. Where did they come from? Like, where did they come from? Where did the names come from? I know where the babies came from. (laughs) Are they named after anyone in particular? Um, Liam, we just like the name. And I think there was like an L connection. I honestly like can't even think about it right now. Um, his middle name is a family name, Liam James. And then Brooke was another name that we both just liked. And her middle name is Callie, which is sort of like a tribute to my like California roots because my mom's from California and I lived there for a little bit and I'm obsessed with everything West Coast. Um, we also just kind of thought it was a cute name, but uh, I wanted names that weren't nicknames. Like I, I grew up as, I was born Kate but always was called Katie. And it was so annoying as a little kid having to like explain that. And then people were like, oh, that's a weird, like, you know, it's usually Catherine or Kathleen or whatever. So I, I, I pledged that my kids would never have to like have those awkward conversations. So I wanted names that like we named them were just going to be their name. I probably thought way more about that than most people do, but no way. Oh my God. That's like the biggest, like that is the first big decision of having any kid. This is the name they're going to stick with probably their entire life. So there's so, and I'm like a self-proclaimed like name like, how do I even describe it? I'm like very judgy about names, which kind of sounds crazy, but I really also simultaneously appreciate a really good name. Um, Liam James, for example, like the first name and the middle name, like going so well together. That's really good. And was it Brooke Callie? I love those. Is it C-A-L-I? I'm like so like happy that you like them. (laughs) I love them. They're they're both really genuinely really good names. Two thumbs up. (laughs) Those are great, great names. All right. So this is like naturally going to lead me into asking you a little bit about like what it is to be a mom of two and, you know, uh, very much like focused on your career. I mean, you've been at some incredible companies. We heard a, a bit about you in the intro to the podcast and, you know, the companies that you've worked for and everything. And they're really impressive companies. And, you know, you're somebody that From the outside, I've always looked and seen, you know, wow, like you're really doing great things. And I'm really impressed with, you know, the companies that you're at and the work that you're working on. And and I think it's incredible. And I honestly, I think it's even extra incredible because you also have two young kids. I only have one and I have her part-time because I'm her stepmom. And so 
I am also simultaneously like incredibly impressed that you're able to do it all. Give us like the real deal. Like what are the struggles? What are like, like what would you tell maybe somebody else who's like strongly considering it? Um, having kids, but also like very like in love with their careers as well. Like what questions would you ask them? Like what advice would you give? I want to get into parenthood a little bit. I love this. And I'm like so glad that you brought this up because I feel like I think about this stuff all the time, but I'm not in my like own personal bubble of like my friends and just people in my life that sort of get it because I'm either in like businesswoman mode with like you and all the whim ladies or my work, um, or I'm in like my life at home mode and, but my body is in both. So like, I love that, like you brought this up and I'm like very happy to talk about it. Um, I think it stems from the fact that like when I was a little girl, like little, like, like kindergarten level, I knew I wanted to like be something cool in my job. Like it was just a non-negotiable the same way people grow up and are like, I want to be a mom. And I had both of those. Like, I knew I wanted to be a mom. That was like obvious. Like there was never a question. Um, and I wanted to like be a sort of a youngish mom. I mean, I had my kids when I was 33, so I wasn't that young, but I just knew I wanted that and I was going to get it. Like that was not an, another like non-negotiable, but I was not going to do it at the like sacrifice of my job. And I didn't. Like, and I know that like, it's a little bit taboo to say you can have it all. People are like, you can't have it all. That doesn't exist. But like, if you work really hard at both, you can. And I feel like I do. I don't think I'm perfect by any stretch. I think sometimes I'm like a hot mess of a mom. And there's times at my job, I'm like, I wish I had more time to devote to this. Um, But if you really want both, you can have it. And like, I think that it just takes a lot of kind of being crafty and time management is key. And I've always been really, really good at managing my time my entire life. Um, and I just, I just made them both work. Like I, I decided one day when I was six or whatever, that I wanted to be a career woman and I chased it and I didn't stop until I got it. And I know that you know, that sounds a little bit cliche, but it's true. I mean, it was never, it was not like a very easy path for me either. I worked at three of the top PR agencies and was an intern for a really long time for a lot of different places. <laughs> it was not an easy journey to get to kind of like where I am now, but I was not going to stop until I got. And so let's talk a little bit first, because I I'm really jazzed that you also want to talk about this because um, it, I I don't necessarily meet a ton of moms who like are like working in our industry specifically and not I don't know I, I don't know a lot of other moms my age to be honest with you similar maybe to your experience I mean I so I met Zoe when she was three. Um, and she's about to turn seven and, um, you know, and I'm third, I'm about to turn 30. Anyway, like I I became a mom overnight when I was like 30, what is that? Like 33, let's say. Um, and so in like anywhere else in the country, I feel like we are like old moms. (laughs) Um, but it's interesting, like in the cities that we live in, like bigger cities, like, I don't know, maybe we're average or maybe even like young moms in some people's minds. But, um, I I'm curious, like I want to hear first, 
like the real talk struggles? Like when are moments where you really have to work a little extra hard to make it all work and balance everything? What are those moments look like and how do you make it happen? I think high level, my biggest struggle is just not having a ton of people kind of like what you're saying that get it. Like, like my, my very closest friends that are in whim that I, you know, talk to my manager friends are these like successful, badass women that don't have kids. And I like, I envy their lifestyle in some regard because they can kind of do what they want. They can fly to a panel and speak on a panel. They can, you know, go network on a Wednesday night. Like they can do all the stuff that I can't do. And I, I love that they're like chasing their careers and I, you know, want to do that, but I just have the boundaries that I can't do a lot of that stuff. So, I mean, that that's one of the biggest struggles. And on the flip side where I live in the suburbs of Chicago, most of my very close friends are teachers. So they get summers off and during the school year, they're off, you know, up and around after three o'clock. I mean, obviously some of them are working past that, but you know, it's a lot more of like a flexible type of lifestyle for the most part. And there's no one really like me that's kind of like hustling on both ends of the stick. And it's difficult, you know? I mean, I have a couple, there's a couple of people in my life that, that are in similar situations. Some of my agency friends um, that I still keep in touch with have kids, but, but that's really the hardest for me is just like finding my like tribe of people that are similar. And then from a tactical perspective, it's, you know, I'm good at time management. I kind of have it down to a science at this point. But there are days where like everyone's out with their kids doing things and I have like six calls for work and I'm also, you know, doing a podcast or doing something for my own personal development. Because I think that's the other layer to this is that a lot of people just go to their nine to five, kind of clock in and clock out and then are with their kids or they're stay at home moms and they're with their kids all day and then they clock out and, you know, are doing stuff with their husband or stuff with their home at night. But for me, it's like I'm doing both of those things, but I'm also very, very into like self-promotion for my own brand. It's always been something, you know, important to me to get out there and talk about this industry that I love so much. So, so that, so I kind of, I have like three full-time jobs if you think about it, which is like kind of insane. I don't know if I'm smart or insane or both, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like the day-to-day and am I doing enough on, on each end of the stick? You know, that, that's kind of my, my everyday struggle is just a, you know, did I spend enough time with the kids before daycare this morning? Did I spend enough time on this report for work? Like just making sure that I'm giving everyone. And then giving yourself enough attention. I mean, that's like, that is what I've learned as like a somewhat recent mother. Um, Like the, the guilt is real. And like the, I don't know, the constant wondering if you are doing enough, you know, and doing it how you want it. Cause like you only get this short amount of time when they're this age and that age. And like, but the same also for me, at least like extends into the work that I'm doing, you know, it's like, I would never like, I don't know, it's like taboo to say that they're equally as important, but like, I don't know. Sometimes like they are in different ways. I don't know. It's like, I don't know why that's even hard to admit, but I'm curious. So like there are, you know, I, I appreciate when you're saying like one of the biggest struggles is just like finding people that get it. 
Um, I almost want to like my, my mind is spinning in maybe something that we could do through whim to make more moms like connect with each other. Um, but I, I hear that. So then you got to overcome that somehow and you're doing a great job. And you, you said, you're like, people say that you can't do it all, but like, here I am doing it all. So what would you say is your superpower and how are you able to do it all? I think I'm just really good at, I said time management, but it's really just like scheduling and structuring and like sticking to it. Like, like we get the kids out the door by seven 30. We have a, it is literally down to a science of like when each child wakes up and obviously the kids change that, but we are, my husband and I are very good about like regimented mornings, regimented bedtime, like where we're just good at kind of like compartmentalizing. And when we're with the kids, we're really engaged with the kids. We like to all eat dinner together. Obviously, um, we have like a playtime routine upstairs at night. And then when I'm in front of my computer, I'm very good about blocking my calendar. So if I want to do a podcast like today, you know, it's a Tuesday in the middle of the workday, I blocked it months ago so that no clients would book would book time. No one internal in my company would book time so that I can do something for myself. Because to me, this is like part of my self-care is, you know, doing stuff for my own personal brand and um, getting to talk to people about the industry. And it's great for my my company too. You know, I work, you know, at an amazing startup, Fiat Growth. Um, and the founders, Drew and Alex, are awesome. And they want us to, you know, promote our own, our own endeavors and our own careers. And uh, it's important, you know, I, I like we need to be doing things that that fill our cup and make us feel good. And talking with industry people about this industry is something that I enjoy. So I, it's important to me and I make sure to schedule those things in advance. That's the other thing is I think people look at me and they're like, all this cool stuff just sort of happens. Like, and I'm like, do you understand the amount of planning and time that goes into all these like random cool things that just, you know, pop up? Like I take the time to like research different podcasts and, you know, different articles that I contribute to and panels I'm on. Like I, I pitch myself, like that's my PR background, but it's not like it's just popping up out of nowhere. Like there's a lot that goes into it. Um, so we actually just got in a question from, um, so our members can tune in live, um, and ask questions. Um, and so it's like perfect transition to ask you this question. Um, and the question is from Emmy and Emmy is wondering, are you strict about setting work hours like nine to five, 10 to seven, like whatever your work hours are, but are you pretty strict about it? Um, especially since, you know, we're chatting all about kids. Yeah. Hi, Emmy. Um, I'm actually not, and this is probably also kind of taboo. Jesse, you and I are just like throwing out the taboo things all day. Um, I'm not at all. I actually don't like the strict nine to five. I know that's like the exact opposite of what everyone says, but working in social media, it's like not really practical a lot of the times. And I don't, I would rather sort of stretch my day and be less stressed throughout the day. I think the other thing is that my company is based in California. Most of the people in my company are in California and a lot of my clients are kind of spread out throughout the country. So I have like kind of free mornings. Like I usually am not doing much until like 10 when people are signing online, which is 8 a.m. and on Pacific um, time. So I kind of like dilly dally in the morning. Like I kind of like, you know, I'll, the first thing I'll do is like my first thing on my to-do list just to kind of get it done. I'll like review some content, check in with clients. Um, but then I sort of can like chill for a little bit. And I, I like the ability to sort of like ebb and flow throughout my day. 
I think I'm a recovering agency girl. So any agency people out there know exactly what I'm talking about. But for those know, of for those of us who don't, like get into a little bit of that because I want to, you know, I think that's important to know. Like also it made you who you are today. So yes. recovering agency girl, what does that mean a little bit? Yeah. So I was in the agency world for 10 years and agency life is crazy. For the most part, it's very jam-packed. I mean, there's definitely like months and weeks here and there where you're less busy. Clients kind of come and go and stuff. But for the most part, when you've got a full roster of clients, that's probably like three to six, depending on the size and the industry and the agency, you're pretty much busy every waking second that you're signed into your computer. So you really do need those like nine to five boundaries. You could work all night and still have work to do at 8 a.m. So you really do need to say, like, I'm signing off at this time. Like, I will address these emails tomorrow. Um, I did that for so long. And my my life was so kind of, like, structured in that nine to five and having to, like, figure out what I'm going to do today. And then, like, anything else was going to be on the next day. And I had this, like, continuous, like, flow of work at all times. Now I work for a startup. So, and I'm sort of on a team by myself. Like, we ha- I have some freelancers that help and interns here and there. Um, but in the in, for the influencer department, which is what I run at Fiat, um, I'm really a one woman show and I'm putting programs together on like a rolling basis for my clients. Like I'm really a consultant to them um, over a course of years. So it's not like these like projects that come and go and they're really fast and, you know, you've got to get all this stuff done and there's all these deadlines. It's really just kind of like working together to get content kind of going over time progressively, if that makes sense. So there's a lot less of this like intense, get it done, to-do list, like in your face. It's a lot more like check in and out throughout the day, you know, and I don't have any issue checking in on a Saturday with my clients when I'm, when they're not like harassing me Monday through Friday, like I'm used to at the agency. So I'm much more open to like take a call at 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. Or if a client's busy and they're going to work, or they're going on a trip or something and they need me to sign in at 6 a.m. to look at something, fine. Like I'm much more kind of like go with the flow these days just because my whole vibe with my job is a lot more like that. And it makes for like better work in my opinion because I'm able to like be productive during my mental productive hours and sort of check in and out when I need to. And I mean, this is a whole discussion, but the future of work is changing. My founder, Drew Glover, just did a podcast about this. The future of work is side gigs. It's, you know, side hustles and maybe taking five part-time jobs to make a full-time job salary. It's, you know, doing things on social media. It's, there's so many different work streams and different ways to make money now. And we're seeing that like happen so fast. The pandemic just like totally fast forwarded that. So I think the way that we work this like nine to five check in clock in clock out structure is slowly like dissipating, especially for like the Gen Z generation. It Um, is. And we, and you and I have talked about it, you know, before too. And I'm glad that you're bringing it up. And I, I love that it's sort of like coupled also with like parenthood and just like loving what you do. And, you know, you're talking about personal branding, which is something that I so respect about you that you've always seemed to like get that and prioritize that for yourself. But like you said before, you're like, it's just 
just as good for me as it is for my company. And I love that, you know, you're the, the, is it the CEO or the founder or yeah, of your company now gets that and seems to like even be on podcasts talking about it. So I think that's fantastic. I want to know like pivoting just slightly as you're talking about like, you know, this awesome company that you're at now, Fiat Growth, and, you know, you've got lots of different clients. It's considered, I guess, a startup, but like, it seems like you guys are working on really great work. I want to know a little bit what you're seeing in terms of the struggles that your clients are seeing pretty regularly. Yeah. So I'll give a little bit of background about Fiat Growth. We're around three to five-ish years old. Um, it's kind of started with Alex and Drew, my founders, and then it developed into like a full-fledged company. Now there's like 25 of us, um, full-time employees, but it's a growth consultancy. So anything related to growth, like apps, getting more users, um, you know, services, like monthly recurring fee services, um, all in the financial industry, in fintech particularly, and fintech like adjacent type of companies. Um, but a lot of the clients we work with are all startups or mostly startups um, from seed stage through like series A, series B funding, and then some um, bigger companies. But for the most part, that's kind of like our sweet spot in those startup fintech companies and based out of Silicon Valley. So it's a very like different world from um, the agency world that I come from where I was working on like iconic household brand names like Ikea and Kimberly Clark and, you know, things that we use in our house every day. So very different. But our clients are very, very much new to influencer marketing for the most part. Some of them have like somewhat established social channels and have dabbled. But for the most part, a lot of them are coming to us and they're like, what should we do in this world? Like we need to touch it. Like this world is exploding. We're growing. Our whole point of working with Fiat is to grow even more. What can we do with influencers to help like expedite that growth? So my job is to kind of dig in what's their footprint on social? Does it even exist? If it doesn't exist, we need to kind of work on the foundation and get the house in order, as I like to call it, and get their socials in a good spot so that we can, you know, go out to the world on social media first. And then we kind of incorporate influencers as we build that. Some of them have, you know, like I was saying, more developed social channels, and it's about finding the right people. Who's going to speak for us? Who are we going after? We do a lot of like target audience work and research on exactly who they really should be targeting. Maybe it's their actual target audience, and maybe it's a different audience that they, that hasn't been as receptive that we want to get in front of, you know, this brand or this product. And then once we've got the audience, then I go kind of go to work and do what I do best, which is put together a strategy. Is it working with a bunch of nano influencers and creating like a small ambassador army? Is it working with one celebrity to tell, you know, the brand story? Is it just doing a lot of paid, which we have an amazing paid team at Fiat Growth with tons of paid experts um, that put together really in-depth and creative paid strategies. And then I kind of help produce the content for that. So there's lots of different ways we approach influencer marketing and all of our clients sort of have like different challenges, I guess, and are in different stages of the game when it comes to social media. So cool. And I also love that you, you know, are now getting this awesome experience of working for, 
you know, a company that's been around for a few years. And um, I mean, it sounds like you're enjoying like the hustle of like, all right, you're going to come to me and you're like new to the space. And like, those are more challenging clients, but like those are so, you feel those wins so much more. And so when it comes to like their challenges, like it's just, it's growth. I mean, cause that's like Every, I don't know any business that doesn't experience a challenge in terms of growth. So I guess like my question is, so they come to you guys, they want to grow. Of course, you're going to dig into like what area and all that stuff. But like in terms of influencer marketing, I don't know, there's a lot of conversation, you know, there's always like, well, how do I grow my Instagram account? Or how do I grow this? Or how do I grow that? And, you know, people of your caliber will probably want to level set things, you know, and be like, well, you want, you know, you want, you don't, you want to avoid bots and you want to avoid, you know, growth that feels inauthentic and you want to do it in maybe a measured way or at least a very strategic way. So like if people come to you and they're like, Ooh, fiat growth, like awesome. And like, Oh, you guys, you influencer, amazing. I want to grow. I feel like you probably filter a lot of these calls, maybe or somebody at your company does a lot. Like what, how would you level set people who are coming to you and, and want to grow in terms of influencer marketing? Like, are there certain things that you repeatedly like tell people like, well, keep in mind this, keep in mind that what do you, what do you tell people when they come to you and, and really want to grow? Yeah. So I'll say one thing really quick, the growth part of Fiat growth for the most part is affiliate marketing and partnerships, like strategic partnerships, and then like paid um, and performance marketing. And then I'm kind of like that other piece of the puzzle that's influencers. So they're growing, not just with influencers. That's just one, you know, sliver of the pie. And we have an amazing affiliate team that is like super well connected and, you know, has all these different partners that they work with to grow user bases. So that's, you know, one main piece of the pie. And then the performance side, you know, running all the, all the paid. Um, and that, you know, produces more automated growth, I would say. Um, but then the influencer growth which is what we, you know, our, our sweet spot, which is always fun to talk about is very difficult when it comes to growing social channels. As we all know, you know, we're at the mercy of the algorithm of the platforms that, that, you know, people are on. And we know <laughs> from my rants, Jesse, that you and I had earlier about Instagram, that growing on Instagram right now is very challenging and everything is, you know, recommendations based the same way that kind of TikTok kind of led the way with. So it's difficult for brands to just like say, I want to increase by, you know, 50,000 followers this year. Like that's, that's tricky. We can obviously help and guide them, but that type of growth, those like guaranteed numbers are really difficult. What influencers do is bring the brand awareness. And I always say, you know, it's a known thing that a conversion. So like signing up for something, entering your credit card, um, you know, making a purchase, whatever, that conversion touch point that's different for every brand, it usually takes eight like visual audio touch points of the same message in order for the person to actually like do that conversion. So brand, so influencer is one of those touch points. And if you're working with the same influencer multiple times, or you're working with lots of influencers, those might count as like touch point two and three and four or whatever. But that's kind of how I think of it is like, it's one piece of the pie that gets you closer and closer towards that sale or that conversion. And it's important that all brands are activating on it, even if it's not instant, you know, that instant gratification of today we had 75 new people sign up. Like it might be like four new people, but 
But if you're not chipping away at that, at those eight touch points, you're missing out because every other brand is like everybody else is activating on social in some way, whether it's organically on their own channels, through paid, through influencers, usually a mix of all three of those. And if you're not doing it, you're not getting those eyeballs. So that's kind of what we help do. We we help figure out ways to like increase those touch points in as many different places as we can um, to get us closer and closer to those conversions. Because ultimately, ultimately, at the end of the day, brand awareness is amazing. You know, that's the world I come from in PR. But at the end of the day, any founder, any CEO wants sales. Like that's how businesses stay alive and thrive. So that's kind of like the way that we um, picture it as we put together our strategies. Yeah, no, I love that. I appreciate that a lot. And I do, I think that like a lot of working with clients, it's a lot about level setting. It's a lot about like managing expectations and just like being on the same page generally. And I can only imagine, you know, the types of people, like just people come to you, they come to everyone in our organization. They're like, oh, awesome. You work in influencer. Like, great. So like you can work magic and do all these incredible things for me. And you're like, I can, but like there are so many factors that will determine how it's done, how quickly it's done. And like, you know, there's so much to it. So anyways, I just appreciate that. I think it's good to level set. I want to talk a little bit more about like your career because I, I I think that it's like been such a great ride for you. I, I've seen you again, like at some really incredible companies, including where you're at now. I want to hear from you. Tell us a low light and a highlight of your career. I was thinking about this before. I I think I'm not going to go like super specific just because it's like hard for me to like remember specific things. But the low, the lowest part of like when I look back at, you know, my 10 to 15 years of working after college is just being in positions that like weren't a fit and not knowing what to do. It's like that feeling of feeling sort of stuck where you're like, I should stay because I'm gaining knowledge and it's going to help me get to where I'm going. And I'm the type of person that like does stick things out, which I think is like sort of a blessing and a curse. Um, but the lowest times that I can like remember are like being like my first PR agency. I was working, um, when I was still an intern in the corporate like department and I'm just not a corporate type of person. Like you can kind of see and probably hear from my voice. Like that's just not my vibe. I'm a lot more casual and like D to C just makes more sense to me. I like talking to the masses and I feel like I like being part of something bigger and the B to B more corporate environment just was not a fit for me. And if I would have left when I was uncomfortable, I probably would have never continued moving through the agency world like the way that I did. So I'm so glad that I did stick it out, but it's, it's not, no, it's that like knowing and that decision of like, should I keep doing something that maybe isn't a perfect fit? knowing that it might benefit my future or should I like pivot and try something new that might, you know, tick off a whole new exploring world, you know, that might be a better fit. So I think that's the challenge for like young people in the workplace in the corporate world is, you know, knowing when to jump and knowing when to stick it out. And I think people back to my other point about like side hustles and all that nowadays have it so much easier because you can try things at once. Like, Back in the old days, you couldn't like go on a podcast if you worked at an agency. They'd be like, no, don't do that. Like you work for us. You can't be like talking about us on on podcasts. Like it just wasn't a thing 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, but now you have so much opportunity to like open an Etsy shop or 
do a coaching, you know, side job or something and kind of like really figure out what you want. And it was a lot more difficult back in, you know, the earlier 2000s to really like test and learn. Like you sort of just got a job and that's what your job was. So I think people these days have it a lot better when it comes to like that freedom of figuring out what is best for them. And I feel like there's a lot of companies these days even that are still like, no, you shouldn't be going on a podcast. Like, And for a number of different reasons, um, sometimes they just want to be the ones to be on it. Let's be real. Um, and some people aren't really great at managing people and like uplifting them and knowing that like, what's the phrase? Like all ships I don't know, something about tide and rising and shifts and they all rise up together, but you know what you know what I'm trying to say. Um, and I firmly believe that. So like that's also just a missed opportunity. But yeah, it's it's hard, man, when you're a little unhappy. I almost feel like that's when it's the hardest. You're not like incredibly unhappy where you are. You're just like a little unhappy or you might just see like other people around you like doing really cool things and like envy is real. And then you know, if you have any like bit of loyalty in you, you've been appreciative and you've been treated well. I mean, like these good things almost make the decisions a lot harder. Um, but at the end of the day, like, what would you tell somebody if they're like, they're at some place and like they're being treated pretty well, but there's just this little thing that keeps nagging at them. Like, and, and the thing is like, do I go somewhere else? Because it just, it could be, be better. Like it could be, you know, they're like, what would you tell someone or what would you, how would you advise somebody who is in that sort of a position? I know that is so tough. Cause it's like the grass is not always greener. And I've seen it many times with my friends who's, who have hopped agencies and it's the same problems just under a different roof or it's even worse problems at some time. So it depends. I mean, I think again, like now is the golden era of being able to kind of like figure out what works for you and test and learn, you know, the same way we test and learn in marketing, test and learn with your career. Like you're able now to sort of like keep your full-time job and dabble on the side. If you can't, obviously don't do things that are going to like get you in trouble with your full-time job. Like if that's your mainstream of income, but I mean, I'm so lucky that my boss and my founders are so open with us and, you know, want us to like explore and like do the work that we're doing for our clients, but, you know, be out there in the world and still like living as human beings and not just clocking and clocking out. And that's our entire life. So I think there's more and more companies that are becoming like that. I think, you know, in the big corporate world, it's probably a little bit more difficult, but I would say as much as you can dabble in things, you know, and people have built entire, like, you know, seven, eight figure companies just on their own, like personal brand doing things. And if that's something that you're willing to commit to, I mean, it's going to be a lot of work, but if that's something that you're willing to commit to, like start dabbling in it and see if you like it. I mean, that was not to like totally ramble, but that was something that I discovered early on is I always was like, I was going to be an entrepreneur. I always thought at one point I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And like, here I am still working for like a normal company, but I found that my sweet spot isn't being an, an entrepreneur. I like the stability of having a team and having a steady paycheck and benefits. Like I, that's where I feel comfortable, but that's why I do this side stuff, you know, on my own, because it kind of fills my cup on the entrepreneurial side. And I've sort of found a balance that works for me. Some people like Jesse, you're a perfect example. Like you're 
such an amazing entrepreneur. You like, you know, started an agency and then pivoted to this amazing whim community that you're growing. And it just, it, it's who you are. Like, I just feel like you were born with that gift. And then there's people that are like VPs at McDonald's or, you know, PepsiCo that have worked their way up in corporate America who are like killing it at these massive corporations. And that's amazing too. It's like, it's, you got to find the balance that really, you know, lights you up and makes you feel good. And I think it takes time. I mean, you and I are both in our thirties. Like this did not happen overnight. It wasn't like I graduated college and was like, I'm going to work 20%, you know, for myself and 10% for this. And, you know, like it took a lot of time to get kind of like where I feel comfortable and knowing that like, I don't think I am sort of suited to fully go out on my own. I don't think I maybe not for a while, at least would ever do that. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I think it takes time. I will. I, one other thing I want to say too about this is if you are in a toxic environment and I'm talking to the agency folks, cause that's typically where it, it happened for me, at least there were a, many years of amazing, amazing people and amazing things in the agency world, but there were little pokes in my career of toxic people, toxic clients. If you're in those situations, I will say it's probably best to just exit stage right. I wish I look back at some of those where I stuck it out and I probably shouldn't have. It was like borderline abusive level toxicity and nobody deserves that and nobody needs that. There's there's enough jobs out there where if that's your reality, you do not need to stick that out. So I will say that there are like there are times when you just got to kind of got to grin and bear it and see what's coming through the next door. And then there's times where it's like, you got to peace out. Definitely. And look like as women too, like real talk. I mean, there are a lot of situations where it's almost like in our nature to like be fixers and to be people pleasers in a lot of instances. And there are so many like work scenarios, um, that are incredibly toxic. Um, I worked at like a talent agency where it was horrifically toxic. So it doesn't even necessarily need to be like an ad agency or a PR agency. Like there are just companies that like they accept toxic behavior and you're never going to know that that's what you're getting into, of course, because everybody puts their best foot forward. But there is a moment where you you get it like you see it you see it for what it is and i agree like if that is the case and like talk about it with other people first of all i do think that's really important because that perspective could be what you need to like have sort of like a confirmation of like is this really as unhealthy as i think it might be so like find people that you can speak with and be like is this normal like i just need a gut check like is this type of behavior something that you experience as well because if you're if you're not sure it kind of like i get it why people aren't sure like in any toxic relationship whether it's like romantic or professional or whatever it is like you're in it day to day and it just becomes so normalized and that's what makes it even more toxic so just like talk to people about it i think that's really good advice and then like once you've gotten to the point that you can confirm you know from like a health the outside perspective as well that like, no, like this is, this is legit toxic. Um, then nothing like the, the one thing that always needs to be prioritized is you. 
you know, like we started this conversation talking about what it is to be a parent, what it is to be, you know, having like great bosses. Like you could be a parent, a sister, a boss, uh, you know, of this, that, and the other to other people, but you're not going to be able to be any of those things halfway decent unless like you are whole and you like you're good, you know? Um, so I appreciate you saying that. Um, I think like, oh, gosh, we're like running out of time, which makes me so sad because <laughs> I have so many questions and topics that I want to chat with you about. But um, I, I, I would love to know, Katie, like what is something that no one knows about you? You heard it first on this podcast that Katie is fill in the blank. I feel like the one that I like was prepared to say is like really stupid and people are going to be like, okay, womp, womp. But, um, but I think it kind of ties back to what we were talking about. So I'm an only child, which I guess isn't like that weird, but I think it is a very big tell of like why I am who I am. And now that I have two kids and I'm like watching siblings interact and my husband has a sister and like basically everyone in my life has some sort of sibling (laughs) except for me. I'm realizing like why I became this way. And it, it is like so clear, clear as day now that I am like so regimented and so self-motivated and so independent. It's like, I like taught myself a lot of things. Like I didn't have an older sibling, a younger sibling. I didn't have someone to sort of like go to when things were, you know, annoying with my parents. Like I, I was very much an independent kid that like figured stuff out very early and very easily. Like I was good at kind of like hacking life in a way. And it like makes total sense. Like now looking back at how I kind of like am super regimented with my schedule and my kids are, you know, super regimented with their schedule and work and cramming it all in and making it all happen is very indicative of kind of how I was brought up. I mean, I have two amazing parents who were, you know, gave me everything in the world. But a lot of my days were spent kind of with my own thoughts and with myself. So I think that that really did like kind of shape how I am today. And I think it's kind of just interesting to know that about me when you talk to me. Sometimes people are like, I can tell you're an only child. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult, but... Well, it's interesting because I asked you earlier, I was like, what's your superpower? And it's like time management and things like that. I actually like wonder if it's like, some of the things that we feel are things that are like considered less than or different or something, mostly different. Like we're like, oh, I'm kind of different because I'm an only child. Most people probably have siblings or I'm just different because I do this, that, and the other. I actually think more times than not, that is really our superpower, you know, and all the things that you learned and all of the things that make up Katie as an only child being, you know, being with your own thoughts and all those things, like they actually really in most instances give us a really cool leg up. So I, I love that. I am so like stoked with um, our conversation today, like talking from like toxic environments to like, you know, parenthood to, you know, like growth strategies. And I don't know, I, we've sort of all over the place in all the best ways. Um, I have a feeling that a lot of our listeners may want to reach out to you. So, you know, besides maybe booking a mentorship conversation, a mentorship session with you because you're part of our mentorship program. So besides like making uh, an appointment with you to, you know, book a one-on-one 
mentorship session with you, you know, because our members can do that, um, or searching for you in our membership director. You're just so active in our community. But, you know, those of uh, people who aren't necessarily in WIM yet, and they are just like, oh, I want to reach out to Katie and like get to know her. And she seems great. And maybe we could do business together. What's the best way for people to reach you? So I'm most active socially, like on social media on LinkedIn. So Katie Stoller, search for me. And then um, I have my own personal email. If you want to just reach out, um, it's hello at katiestoller.com. And then if you want to reach out anything regarding Fiat um, for any brands that want to get to know us a little bit more, our website's fiatgrowth.com. And my email address is just katie at fiatgrowth.com. But yeah, I would love to chat on any channel. I'm really active in the WIM Facebook page and Slack group. I like get so much amazing information from all the WIM members. Everybody is like so awesome in WIM. Um, but yeah, definitely reach out. Would love to connect. And I would love to do a mentorship session with anyone interested. I, I love it. Thank you so much, Katie. It's been awesome having you on again. We'll have to maybe get you on a third time. Who knows? Um, and uh, for everyone listening, we will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, we got to have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at IamWim.com. Leave us a review, a rating, but the most important thing that we can ask you to do is to share this podcast. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week.